The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater our last best hope for victory. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. Hello and welcome to Chats, the television podcast, season six, Chatsalon 5. My name is Alan and his name is Magellan. Welcome to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> 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 what, what part what? What? of the episode was that from? Uh, my name is Jeremiah. His name is Jeremiah. Welcome to the end of the world. Oh, okay. End of the world beginning of the podcast. I was going to just say welcome to the end of the world, but I was like, that's so easy. I got to make it stupid. <laughs> I'm a gremlin. I wear my pants on my forehead. What if we did a whole podcast in like funny voices? Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Hey guys, um, we're here to talk about Babylon 5, and Magellan's here. Babylon 5, what's up everybody? Talking about Babylon 5, it's a a show created by J. Michael Straczynski about space and outer space. Outer space, and we watch two episodes a week. This week we watched, uh, oh, we watched (laughs) them. Oh, shucks. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, fuck. <laughs> we watched. God, God damn it. Uh, Garibaldi. Your fucking money is in bills, goddamn. Stop cursing. I'll Jim's, take your credit shit. Jim's house. And I don't have any of your money in my uh, fucking bank. <laughs> uh. <laughs> What in the hell, truly? <laughs> this is somebody's first chats episode. They're like, oh, what's the latest episode about? Oh, oh. Oh, but they do a belligerent Jimmy Stewart impression for 45 minutes. <laughs> it's actually really avant-garde. Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's great. Connie Bang, eat your fucking heart out. And then at the end, they randomly say, you won't believe the day I had. Oh, my God. <laughs> is, that a, uh, is, that a, is that a reference? Yeah, to the second episode. We'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. they just summarize the whole... Yes. Yep. Anyway, we watch Batman 5 on this podcast, two episodes a week. And the first episode we watched this week was season three, episode 18, Walkabout. Tell me about it, Alan. Well, Magellan, it was written by JMS. It was directed by Kevin G. Creeman. Oh, that's a new name. I'm Creeman. Is it a Creeman, new... It's not, it's not a new name. What? We've seen this Kremen? Like many times. Oh, okay. Many, many times. It aired September 30th, 1996, and... And... Yeah. And. It takes place August 16th to the 17th of 2260. Magellan, what the fudge happened in this episode? Fudge! In this episode, Franklin continues his walkabout. Okay, we didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, excuse me. He starts his walkabout, basically. Yeah, from our perspective. In this episode, Franklin continues his walkabout through Down Below. A replacement Vorlon arrives on the station. 
Sheridan is determined to score a victory against the Shadows using his newfound advantage. Uh, Alan, what'd you think of Walkabout? This is, this is a great pair of episodes for chats, honestly. Oh, uh, yeah? They're kind of busted, but kind of interesting, and they're not just like yeah, they objectively kind of busted good. down Tatiana, to be honest. <laughs> oh, like, he's purring. Yeah, it's like when you Jeez. you take a cat and they stretch when you purr them. That's what, when you pet them. I mean, when you purr yeah. them. <laughs> That's what that was. Uh, they both have really good parts and really frustrating parts. Um, I think in this case, having a new Vorlon on the ship is like kind of cool, but ridiculous at the same time. Uh, the way they introduce it is great because in the cold open, um, uh, I believe it's like Sheridan or not Sheridan, Ivanova, who's like, where the heck is Sheridan? And then someone's like, oh, he went for a walk. And he's like, what do you mean? You can't go for a walk on a closed station that are like, we'll know where you are if you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's funny cause Franklin also goes for a walk, but he just goes to some seedy lounge bars. But Sheridan is like, no, I'm going to go for a walk on the rim of Babylon 5. <laughs> hmm. uh, and he goes outside and he's like, what the hell? And he just sees a gigantic Vorlon ship schlorp into vision. Um, and we got this new uh, creepier Vorlon. <laughs> it's ca- it's Kosh's uh, weird cousin, Derek. Hey, guys, it's me, the other Vorlon. You can call me Kosh. And they're like, bud, what? Excuse He's like, I'm Kosh. <laughs> Can't you tell? It's me. Kosh was so sick. You you had to listen to his early stuff to really get it, but he was so cool. And you killed him. And you killed him. You suck. I'm him now. And they're like, hey, that doesn't work. They're so like determined to not they don't want to go with this at all. They're like, no, he's Kosh. Isn't it respectful if we like honor him by keeping his name separate from you and he's like no <laughs> hmm. you don't make the you don't make uh vorlon rules we decide what our rules are so this guy's kosh now my only question is like is the show really gonna expect us to like per, like play with this guy being kosh now is that the idea um it's hard for me to tell if it's sort of like a we have collective consciousness or if it's just him symbolically saying, like, I'm mourning Kosh. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't even deserve to be my own dude right now. Right. I think it's the second one. It's the, the indifference to him kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. It makes more sense. It's just, like, we are all... Because, like, one of the questions I always had was, how important is Kosh in Vorlon culture? Like, you know, he's an ambassador, but if they're a hive mind, then, like... He's everyone. So then the, him, this guy being like, we're all Kosh makes sense in that, in that case, if that's accurate. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, Kosh is just a title we give people. I think it's Kosh is an individual and they're mourning Kosh. I don't think it Kosh is a title. Kosh isn't like a concept. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're just like, we miss that guy. Oh, my God. I just realized how, uh, I mean, this dates us a little bit, but we are recording this the day after the Met Gala. And man, if you just saw Kosh run up in the encounter suit at the Met Gala, nobody would bat an eyelash for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This all the other Vorlons we've seen have been like have been like Kosh plus Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> Dark Kosh. It it's interesting to me that Kosh is kind of like a 
humble green guy, and then everyone else has these big swoopy heads and purple purple just, cloak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, very it's very creepy. Yeah, so we get this new Kosh guy, and he's you know he's all Vorlani, and then he runs into Lita Alexander, and he force chokes her. Mm-hmm. Uh, for letting Kosh die, it's your fault. Kinky, I'm so mad, mad at you. I'm sorry. Uh, she's she was busy. I was confused at first. I was like, why is he mad? It's just yeah, like she was not around at the time, and she probably could have stopped it. Um, but she she redeems herself in this episode in a big way. Yeah. Um, it also just seems like a you know an impulsive act on the part of this new Kosh guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Like Lita says, it's been a long time since a Vorlon has died, so I think they're all, you know, more Shooketh. and more we're seeing the Vorlons as these, like, mortal, fallible creatures. Mm-hmm. That's so a good, just, yeah. that's that's a great way to look at it. I, I was actually uh, impressed, surprised, I don't know what the adjective is for seeing Lita Alexander again. Um, happy? I think she's fun. Like, what she brings to the show... As a very strong rogue telepath is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way she's used in this episode, I feel kind of mixed about though, because like Sheridan, like we said in the the description, really wants to get a win on the shadows. So he's like, "All right, we're gonna get in the White Star, and me and Lanier, Miss Mister Lanier, and was he also with Delenn? Who was the the? Oh no, it was him and Lita and Lanier." Yeah. Uh, are going to go on the white star and we're just going to start like looking for shadows and just jamming the shit out of them. Yeah. To see if telepathy works on them. I don't, I don't know about Lita Alexander right now. She's kind of boring to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Like her, there's just not a lot to her character. And I think what happens is I keep thinking of what if Talia Winters was here, you know? Yeah. Like, Talia Winters is just a better character, and she wasn't even that well-developed. Um, but she had a little more conflict and a little more, like, agency, honestly. Because Lita Alexander, all we know about her is that she's, like, dedicated to the Vorlons and is going to do whatever the Vorlons want. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm neutral on her, but... I think this development of telepaths can jam the shadow vessels is a cool way to uh, kind of have everything in the universe matter at the same time. Right. It's 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 pulling together a lot of different stuff. Honestly, I also feel mixed about um, two two things from both one one thing from each of these episodes that I I'm I'm starting to think are going to become bigger deals. Yeah. I have a feeling the Minbari conflict in the second episode plus the telepath stuff from this episode are going to be what comprises like season four. Yeah. We'll talk about the Membari stuff with the next one. I think definitely it feels to me like there were big moves that were being made in season two to make Psycor this really scary evil organization that like has its grips on earth. And it seems to me like, after we deal with the shadows, which is going to happen, given that we flashed to the future and we saw that that happens. Uh, once we deal with the shadows, I think then in the rubble of that, it's like, okay, well, now Earth is still 
under the control of this military dictatorship where the president and Psycor are controlling everything. And maybe there's even going to be some cooperation between some like uneasy alliance between Bester and Babylon five or something. Right. That like, as soon as the conflict is over, they turn on each other. Yeah. The last time we saw Bester, it definitely seemed like they could lead to that. They could lean into that. Mm-hmm. But I just like the, the moment specifically, it was a shot for me that made me think, Oh, we're going to get telepaths next season was, uh, they had multiple Minbari telepaths on the White Star, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. And they were like, okay, we found our attack method. Uh, we use telepaths to jam the shadow ships, and then we just fire a big yellow laser at them mm-hmm. for like a straight minute, and then we win. And, you know, you don't get that power from nothing. You need a lot of telepaths to do that. So I think maybe they go into the, like, there is something being said just about the cinematography about of like lying a bunch of people down in a ship and using their like mental powers to power a death ray. You know what I mean? Like, is there something they're saying thematically there about like how we use, how we have to use people and the only way to win this war is to like, yeah, it certainly felt gruesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially the shot where, Lita is attacking that first shadow ship and it's the extreme close up on her eyes and it pans across uh, from her left eye to her right eye. You see her right eye is bleeding. Bleeding. Right, right, right. Uh, I gasped. I was like, oh, yikes. Right. Um, It's certainly the show wants you in that moment to feel uneasy. Like it's not Mm -hmm. a triumph. Of oh hell yeah check out this the big guns we got now, uh, it seems like it's a technique that is going to be risky and like could backfire in some unforeseen mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to see where that kind of thing does. Um, my other suggestion was like, uh, so this is like minor not spoilers but like description of a thing that happens in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Um, where they figure out that one way that they can use warp drives is by um, manipulating these like spores that exist throughout space. There are like Uh spores that are just like in another dimension. And if they have somebody who can like manipulate those, they can travel faster than any warp speed can take them. Mm. So they have a guy who like melds with the spores and just becomes basically their propellant. He is their engine. Because he's just okay. like, I do spore shit. But it hurts him, and there's this whole plot line about, like, we can't just make this his job because he's still a person. And mm-hmm. what if this kills him and all this stuff? And that, that was kind of what this recalled for me is, like, great. You figured out that telepaths can make a really good shadow-killing weapon. But then, like, do we just, like, hire a bunch of telepaths and, like, throw them at this problem? Right. And as you said, because Lita's hurt by it, like, this is not comfortable for them. This is a higher level of telepathy that they're not trained to do consistently. So... Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem uh, sustainable, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Also not sustainable um, is... Uh, well, but even before we talk about the Franklin stuff, that's the the, the, the chunky part we haven't talked yeah, about. Yeah, we can kind of clear out the rest of the episode here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, that's it for the Sheridan side of the plot. He discovers telepaths work. Cool. We can do that. Um, the other major thing that's happening on this side of the world has to do with Jakar. 
so Jakar early in the episode is hanging out with the ship captain that we saw the big uh Narn cruiser that Babylon 5 protected during the Narn Centauri war uh earlier in the se- that was this season that's the finale I thought that was the finale of season of 2 season 2 yeah end of season 2 mm-hmm. um Nakal so, is this guy's name Nakal so Jakar and Nakal are hanging out and they're eating some great eating acting from <laughs> from Jakar like his he's mid bite and his lips are wet yeah like, oh i loved it it was so real it was like he was really eating he probably mm-hmm. was um and they're talking about well, what are we going to do our fleet uh how are, how are we looking or when are we going to be able to take back the home world and it's interesting to continue to see jakar um act in service of babylon 5 as a way of forwarding the interests of the narn he's still not acting in like a completely selfless for the mission way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is going to cause some problems and it almost did cause a problem in this episode because in the war council meeting jakar is like oh yeah well we can I can send one of our cruisers to go help you. That'll be fine. Not a problem. And then he talks to his bro and his bro's like, no. Yeah. Fuck Sheridan also. Fuck Sheridan. Uh, We need to keep our ships secure because we need to use them later to take back our home world. Mm -hmm. So forget that guy. We're not helping. And then Jakar's like, yeah, not going to do it. Garibaldi comes and yells at him and slams the the book of Jaquan down. Good scene. And it's like, now you listen to me. Now you now you listen to me, Jakar. <laughs> That's my <laughs> Garibaldi impression. That's good. You listen to me, pal. Uh, he gets pissed and he says, uh, you know, the mission and and, and 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 you know, there's something. Sometimes there's something bigger than you, and you just follow orders because it's a, it's the right thing to do. Uh, he yells at Jakar. And then Jakar sees the error of his ways and the Narn, you know, they come in like the cavalry at the end, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know that what we can draw from that plot, except to just like keep our eye on Jakar and his motivations. It For sure. seems like of all the Narn, he's the most willing to let go of his like f- his fierce pro narn stance in favor of the bigger picture mm-hmm. but he's still definitely uh prioritizing the narn above any other cause right he's pulled in several directions like in each scene of this episode that features him he's pulled in like a different because the first is uh Nicole being like you know screw babylon 5 screwed captain sheridan and all this um and he responds back like, uh, if they don't survive, we don't survive. Our fates are entwined, basically. Yeah. Um, and then the guy yells at him again and like reasserts that to him. And he's really starting to have doubts. And he's not fighting back anymore. And then the last scene, which is like two-thirds of the episode, is when, yeah, Garibaldi throws the book down and is like, you know, if you preach this book, then you have to deal with the responsibility of what it says. And you need to work with us. Like, we aren't the bad guys here. You don't have to make enemies out of people on Babylon five and earthlings. Um, Cause we're not trying to like start more conflict with you. It reminds me actually a bit of like the Londo stuff. Mm. And 
at least before he sided with the shadows, just like, you know, getting a little bit from Vier and then getting a little bit from, uh, uh, who's the shitty guy? Ma Marco. Mar the other, the other Centauri who sucks that he oh, wants to kill. Oh, yeah. Rifa. Rifa. And getting a little bit from Rifa and then also getting a little bit from Morden. Like, these are just men being pulled in different directions and struggling to figure out, like, where do I stand in this? Yeah. Uh, right. And that's some good good moral quandary there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I think the other main plot this episode is the story of a woman named Kaylin and a man named uh, Dr. Stephen Franklin. I thought her name was Kate. I heard that wrong. It's Kaylin. There was a Kate earlier in the show. Okay. Ka She's Kaylin? I believe so. Yeah, C-A-I-L-Y-N. Yep. Okay. Uh, so... Dr. Franklin, last time we saw him, addicted to stims, he admits it, and then he's like, I can't be the doctor guy anymore, because I'm, I'm hopped up on stims, so mm -hmm. I gotta step aside. Sheridan's like, bro, that's, well, right, wow. Wow, bro. bro. Bro, that's crazy, dude. And he's like, yeah, dude, I know. Well, peace. This is sick. Um, now it's like... Has anybody seen Franklin? He hasn't left his room in four days. That's because he's not there. He's walking about. Um, and the idea is that he at some point walked away from himself. And now he's walking until he meets himself. And so he can talk to himself. Right. And rediscover who he is beyond being a doctor. So I love this stuff in theory. The idea of like... Yeah, same. I'm going to go find myself. Even him even him saying like I'm going to go meet myself and and then once I meet myself I'm going to have a conversation with myself and we're going to come to an agreement about who we are and what our goals are. That's great. Mike Posner's doing that shit right now. That dude's walking across the country. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. awesome. I love the idea of walking to find yourself. I wish I could do that. Um unfortunately, it starts to feel sometimes like maybe the Babylon 5 writers know how to write one or two types of Franklin plots. Which are either medical tragedies yep. or romantic tragedies. Yep. So and they, they did both this episode. The, the thing that was funny to me, and I texted you about this, uh, was oh, right. that. So great dialogue exchange between him and Garibaldi. I loved it. I love Franklin and Garibaldi talking to each other. Mm -hmm. um, Same. They've really struck on these characters being being able to have a, an ongoing conversation that no other characters are having about addiction and about identity and about like, are you your work or are you something else? And it's interesting because Garibaldi has a handle on his addiction for the most part, but he definitely defines himself almost entirely within the scope of his job. Mm -hmm. as like security guy and he thinks that's good franklin doesn't have a handle on his addiction but he sees that maybe there's something more than like being just your job and so he's saying all this my favorite dialogue moment is he franklin is talking about all this like kind of you know metaphysical abstract philosophical stuff and um, Garibaldi's like, what does he say? He's like, listen to yourself. You're a doctor. You're a scientist. And then Franklin's like, and? And Garibaldi's like, and what? 
And Franklin's like, exactly. Right, uh, right. I thought that was actually really good. But then what the episode does is Franklin's like, I need to figure out who I am. Who's the real me? Three minutes later, he walks <laughs> into this jazz club and he's like, oh, yeah, I like to fuck. Ah, uh, that's me. That's who I am. I'm the guy who fucks. <laughs> I was so disappointed. It's fine. You hate to see it, man. You hate to see. Well, because so you you watch that and you're like, wow, that blonde singer. Also, the part that I'm not disappointed by is the fact that they didn't like cut away from that musical number. They basically did a full music like lounge singer yeah. number in the episode, <clears throat> like twice too, twice because she does it there and then she does it like later when he comes back. Yeah. I'm like, wow, they really want to like give this woman a full performance. I'm not actually sure if it was the actress, the actor who did, um, who played Kaylin, Erica Gimple, if it was actually her singing or if they like got somebody else to do it. But uh, that was good stuff. And the song is good. Uh, it's a good vibe. And then he stays behind. And even the way he flirts with her is like kind of creepy in a 2019 context. Because mm-hmm. um, he's like, I'm waiting for someone. And she's like, how do you know? Wait, what did she say? Like, how do you know when she's here? And he's like, I j- she just got here or whatever. <laughs> it's you, basically. Hmm. And she's like, wow, that's cool. Um, do you want to go back to your place and we can, like, have cool sex? Because we're the only two people of color on Babylon 5. <laughs> and he's like, I really do. This is, I've defined myself finally. Um, yeah, they go back and they do the sex. And then... Um, She's like cuddling him and like, you know, being all cute with him. And she's like, so he's like, I, I would give you anything, which is what I also say post-coital. I just, I'm like, I'll die for you immediately. And she's like, anything? And he's like, yes, anything. And she's like, how about these sleeping pills? Benempazine, badupazine, drug, druggos. And he's like, I can't do that. You need a prescription for those. And she's like, please, I need them for a sweep. Question one, why doesn't she just tell him she has chronic pain and she needs them to survive? Um, Why doesn't she tell him? Probably because yeah. she doesn't want him to know. Fair. I don't know. Yeah. She feels uncomfortable talking about it. I get that. Or maybe like, well, I guess also if you say stuff like that, you might sound like you're med-seeking. Which right. is like a big red flag. Like ultimately, what's the difference? Either he's going to say yes or he's going to say no. He's going to believe you or not. Yeah. And unfortunately, the only way for him, to, well, because since he's not a, he, he's not at his practice. It's not like he can check, like her records. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, no, I'm not going to get those for you. I'm not trying to like be your dealer. She feels bad about it. Um, they have some conflict, and then. He comes back and she's dead. And he's like, what happened? She must have died of an overdose. And you're like, wow, I totally predicted this. What a boring plot. And, and then, then the... kind of twists it on you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, at this moment, you think it's a boring plot. And then uh, he goes to the like medical bay and they're like, yeah, she didn't die of an overdose. She died because she didn't get the medicine she needed. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't know how to stop being a doctor for five minutes. Um, you don't know how to be like you did not succeed in your training or in your walkabout like the goal of your walkabout was to find yourself and maybe you're still like struggling in that and i like that it's not clean 
you know, I like that he didn't just go on a walkabout and now he's great and he's back to working. Because I believe he is still going on it. Yeah, he's still walking around. We see it him for a little bit in the next one. Right. And they're like, yep. Oh, yeah, because there's that moment where, like, Ivanova's like, how's the drugs going? And he's like, bad. <laughs> they're yeah. going bad. Uh, yeah. It's a slow process. It's evolutionary. I guess I do like that it's not clean. But to to be like, this guy is trying to find himself. And the way he does is through, once again, having sex with a hot mama. You know, but, it's, like, <laughs> it's one of those like, eh, kind of things. Uh, yeah, I thought it was cool that the thing that that fucks with him is his doctorly impulses. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that gets in his way is, I want to help this person. This person is my patient. That assumption that he knows best and he knows how to treat people like take care of people and nobody knows how to take care of themselves is the thing that kind of ruined this relationship and got him into trouble. Right. Um, that's cool. I think that honestly represents part of the like walkabout process that he's on, that he thinks he's attained some level of separation from the doctorness and is figuring out who he is, but he's still twisted and, uh, and uh defined by being a doctor Mm -hmm. even in that moment sad but true yeah also hey uh i didn't think she was that good of a singer in the first song oofa doofa really i thought she was fine (laughs) i thought she was fine but i don't know about her talent as a singer i mostly just was like wow this is a good vibe i like the vibe when franklin was right like you're I thought the second song was pretty good. I loved, I so loved the cut (laughs) from Rita Alexander to the Vorlon being like, somebody else might have a piece of Kosh. And then it does this, whatever, a J cut or L cut, whatever you call it, where you hear the sound of uh, her second song and stay on the image of the Vorlon. And it was this weird, <laughs> like the tone was weird. <laughs> Looking at this purple ass Vorlon, I'm watching it right like, now. <laughs> jazzy tune kicks in. Yeah, rewatch the moment. It's so amusing. <laughs> it's just got the, he just looks up like um like Wally. He's just like, huh? Me? Am I sketchy? And I think about the things we had. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> good shout outs to the audio editing on that. That's very good. Um. Right. I. It's less that it's less that the song is again less of the song is good and more like ooh this is like a '90s like R&B jam. I'm into. You don't expect to see that when you're watching Babylon Five. You don't strap in for something like that. Um. But yeah, that's what I have uh for Walkabout. Did you have any other stray notes, Mister? Mm, no, I think that's it. Cool. Cooler. Um. I have. One email, and then I wanted to briefly talk about the comic books that I've been reading, the Babylon 5 comics. Great. Would you like to read this email from uh, listener uh, Patrick? Uh, sure. All right. So here's a message from Patrick. Patrick says, hey, guys. Love the pod. Been catching up super fast and wanted to say I have enjoyed the podcast a lot. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Uh, 
I would add to your guest, Marcus, in that season five of Babylon 5 is pretty good. It has its problems. Sometimes feel like a Netflix revival years after the end of a show. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is still really good TV. I've watched, I've watched, Bab- I've rewatched Babylon Five a number of times and watched it when it was airing. I usually find when I rewatch, I watch season five first, then one through four. It's a better reviewing experience, in my opinion. That's interesting. Thanks again for the pod. Love your predictions and reactions, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I'd love to hear people who've seen the whole show's thoughts on like uh, um, atypical rewatch strategies like that. The the machete order of uh, Babylon 5. What do you think of that? Right. Maybe watching the end first, especially once you once you have seen everything is a lot is a lot more like rewarding because you get to watch the payoff and then you get to like enjoy the build as then take your time with it you're not just like trying to rush to the payoff yeah i was hanging out with someone the other day who had never a friend of mine who has never seen any star wars movies mm-hmm. and um attack of the clones was on cable and we watched like 30 45 minutes of attack of the clones oh boy and it made me wonder like is that the best place to start with Star Wars? Because it's the worst one. Is it? It's the worst movie. So is that it's the probably, best place I think to it's start? The no, the literal worst place to start is probably episode three. But it's fun. Episode three is at least fun. Episode yeah, two is yeah, just yeah. Like... No, episode three is a bad place to start. I'm positing episode two is a good place to start. Oh. Because it's a bad movie. But if you've never seen Star Wars before, it kind of sets the expectations low. And the person I was with was kind of like into it a little bit because it was the part where it's like Anakin's off hanging out with Padme and they're getting kind of like flirty. But then he goes and like murders all the sand people Mm -hmm. because of his mom dying. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of compelling in the abstract. Anyway, right, right. No, no. I, I, I see what you're saying. I think what's interesting about that that if you made that decision is like may, that's a good first film for somebody who cares about the world of Star Wars and the drama, and not so much about like the linear story. Because stuff like the Machete Order, specifically, like you want to get the story in the best, most effective way possible and have it like injected straight into you get to the good parts, get to the reveals at the time that they were meant to happen, right? But when you start with Attack, Attack of the Clones, it's like, what is... Like, I want to know what this is. I'm compelled to keep going because this is so out of nowhere and strange. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, if you watch more Star Wars, you figure out that Anakin's motivations aren't uh, always, like... They don't make perfect sense uh, in the, as you go forward. But I digress before we piss off any Star Wars fans. Bring um, it on. <laughs> fight us yeah fight me no but don't Magellan's like the biggest Star Wars boy out there you can't even you can't huge even huge Star Wars boy he's, like, he's basically giant. the Max Rebo of Star Wars I'm the Max Rebo of Star Wars and he was in Star Wars and he was in it cool well so speaking yeah. of Star Wars mm-hmm. I read some comic books I read some expanded universe content Magellan mm. I goofed up no actually these aren't that bad. So, 
a listener had sent us a while ago all of the or most of the current issues of the Babylon 5 comic, the currently released ones. Um, and they're in different arcs. So they're all like different stories that last either like three or four issues each. Um, the I read th- there are two of them are arcs and then one of them is a one off. So the first one I read was called Shadows Past and Present. This is the one that took me the longest. Um, I believe it was like five five issues. Mm-hmm. And the setup is that it takes place somewhere in like between like two and three or something. All of these are like in the vague vagaries of seasons two and three of the show. Okay. Um, in the present, Garibaldi and Warren Keffer are on a mission. No thanks. No thanks. You're already out. Okay. Well, yeah, there's, out. Dude, there's no point. Well, but they're on a mission to rescue to find Londo, who they think escaped to a Centauri remote planet. Um, he just like dipped off of Babylon Five, and they're like, "We have to go find him." Uh, they go on the planet. They walk around. They find some like bandits. They get, they get captured by some Centauri. And the whole time, Garibaldi keeps saying, "You know, Warren Keffer, you're useless. This is a one-off comic. Instead of doing anything in the present, I'm just gonna keep flashing back to the last time I was stranded on a planet, which was when me and uh, Sinclair were on Mars." like in the first couple of years of Babylon 5 being a ship. And that stuff is pretty interesting. Most of this arc of the comic is just banter. Like it's pretty good Garibaldi banter. Mm. Um, and it's fun to see Sinclair again. Uh, in terms of like plot relevance, they they do run into a the shadow ship that's on Mars. They see it and they're like, whoa, what is that? We don't even know what this is. Um, and it's also just cool to see um, Garibaldi in the era when he was still defined by his alcoholism, like that was his present was that he was still out. Mm. It's implied Mm. that the reason that they crashed on Mars was because he was too drunk drunk to pilot. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see like, Oh, this is like happening to him. He's not recovering. He's in the worst of it. Uh, And Sinclair is very like harsh, but, but um, respectful to him. And you know that's the side of Sinclair that we don't see a lot, and also their relationship. I can always get more of because I think it's one of the cooler relationships on the show. Yeah, um, that one's again pretty much fluff. There's not a lot that happens. Uh, the second one is called Laser Mirror Starweb, which oh, okay. is Babylon 5's version of Rock Paper Scissors. Um, this one's profoundly dumb, but it kind of I really wish this one was an episode of the show because it would have been one of my favorite like silly one offs. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read my notes. These are like bullet pointed notes and then I'm going to remember what I can. Jakar flees Babylon 5. Garibaldi chases him. Grelick, a new <laughs> uh, <laughs> a new Narn that doesn't Cousin have any Grelick. relevance. Cousin Grelick and Sheridan hunt for them. Garibaldi and Jakar have some great banter back and forth during the chase. Um, the two of them together uh need to they get they they somehow end up in the central funnel that goes through the middle of Babylon 5. Okay. Like since it's a spinning cylinder, there has to be a thing in the middle like balancing it and they're like in that. Which is wild. And the way they get out is like cuz there's like a thing in there that keeps trying to eat them and so they get out by throwing it their clothes so they get out of it just like in their underwear. So no. just picture like Garibaldi and Jakar in their no. underwear. No, they don't. 100%. So you get <laughs> no, to see that shot. Don't. Um, <laughs> and since it's called Laser Mirror Starweb, every time they have an argument, they're like, "All right, we'll decide. We'll play Laser Mirror Starweb." Uh, and then it turns out something, something. Sheridan's like, "Wait a minute, Grelick, are you a side character who has no relevance? Are you the bad guy?" Uh-huh. And he's like, "Shit, I am, aren't I?" 
and then he tries to attack them. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the best part of the comic. Yeah. The way they capture Grelick is by firing a laser into a mirror, and the reflection allows them to shoot a star web at Grelick. Laser, mirror, star web. Okay. It's so dumb. It's so okay. profoundly silly. I kind of liked it. All right. That one's the best one. And then finally, the last one's the... Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the, it's a Psycor pamphlet. It's a single one-off issue. Um, That's cool. I didn't, I didn't expect anything out of it other than like, wow, like cool Psycor propaganda. Yeah. Um, two cool things that they show though. One, they show what happened to the first telepath. Like the literally the first kid who like realized that he was a telepath. And they were like, oh, we need regulations for this. We should form a core, a Psycor. And then also in showing like, and you too, Timmy, can be a member of Psycor. The quote unquote Timmy of their story is a boy named Alfred who okay. grows up to become oh, okay. Alfred Bester. All right. Cute. So they like show him as a kid, like finding his powers and meeting his and like hanging out with his friends. And then he like grows up and he becomes the boy himself. It's just kind of fun. Cute. Yeah, and then it just ends with like a little quiz that's like, find out if you're a telepath. Do your friends, this is like the best part. It's like, do your friends think you're weird? Are you an outcast in society? Do you feel like you might be better than people, but they don't believe you? You might be a telepath. Come get tested at one of our you're, many testing might sites. Be an asshole. Yeah, well, <laughs> basically, yeah. people, you might be just the worst. Um, you might be Magellan at 14 years old. Wow, you're a telepath. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that one those are pretty fun. I think there is one more comic or issues of the comic that deal with uh the stuff that happens in To Dream of the To Dream in the City of Sorrows, which is like one of the only canon Babylon 5 books. Okay. Books. But I that's like long after the series or it is meant to be read right after the series, so I'm not going to get to that anytime yeah. soon. Okay. For now though, let's um let's take it to the musical break and we'll be right back to discuss Gray 17 is missing. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Chatsalon 5. The second episode we watched this week was Season 3, Episode 19, Gray 17 is Missing. It was written by J. Michael Straczynski, directed by John Flynn III. That's a new name, right? <laughs> what? I don't know anymore. <laughs> okay. It aired October 7th, 1996, and it takes place between November 26th and 30th of 2260. Alan, what happened in Gray 17 is missing. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, Majon, I'm glad you asked. In this episode, Garibaldi investigates a missing person in the mysterious Gray Sector. Also, Dylan becomes leader of the Rangers. Way to bury the lead, Babylon 5 wiki. <laughs> yeah, so this is one of those episodes where, for some reason... The episode thinks that its A plot is the dumb shit that is yeah. like a C plot. 
in terms of importance. Mm-hmm. So we don't even need to talk about this. It's like, what even happens? Garibaldi. I There's cool, cool stuff that happens in it. He has a fun conversation with Zach Allen about his gun. Yep. It's and stupid, you're like, but sure. okay, these guys are like co- kind of scary cops who love guns. Yep. 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 Lest we forget. Yeah. Um, I liked that scene. Where he's that like the Smith and Wesson that my mom, who's a boss, she got it when she was in the Boston PD. They just gave her a gun. I'm like, what are you? Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also the sorry to to like bogard your description, but the beginning is Zach Allen, like, because they're trying to find a new telepath, right? They're trying to replace um, oh, uh, yeah, the program, right. the what's her face, the woman, the blonde woman, whose yeah. name is Talia, Talia Al Ghul. Um, well, they're trying dude, to find an army of telepaths to fight the shadows. Right. They're trying to just get more telepaths. Yeah. This dude, this is like out of like a weird 90s sitcom. I thought it was funny. It's very funny. It just doesn't feel like Babylon 5 at all. No, not at all. But I thought it was pretty funny. This guy's like, hi, I'm Harry Sanders. I'm a telepath. And, and Zach's like, prove it. He's like, no, why should I have to? I don't work for free. And he's like, can you prove it? And I really, really respect this Harry Sanders guy for being like, listen, what's it pay i got expenses here man because like very big same it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah job telepath come on whatever. i'm a quick study it's easy i can learn but what about the benefits do i get insurance what's the deal and Zach, i was like go away yeah, get out of here dude it's so funny you're not a telepath um also funny is because i'm in comedy mode when they show like the gray 17 shit happening you get this guy whose just feet are dangling in like an electrical thing next to gray 17 and then he gets yeeted out of the floor and you're like this is the stupidest show on earth hmm. what's the what's the thing that ate him mm-hmm. um he disappeared and the people who are trying to figure it out this is where i thought this was kind of good is they're like he's on the gray sector you know all 29 floors Garibaldi's like hold on that's not an even number. How many floors are on gray in the gray sector? And they're like 29. It's t- 1 through 28, and then there's the 30th, or whatever. 1 through 16, and then 18 through 30. He's like, wait. No, there is one numbered 17. It's just not the actual 17th It's just not the floor. 17th floor. Yeah. Um, so there's one floor missing, uh, and then he does this cool thing where he gets on the elevator to figure this out and times how long it takes to get to cross every like three floors. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes from 16 to, to 17, uh, it takes like twice as long. So he realizes it's skipping a floor. He goes back down. Emergency stops it, which is a clever move. And then emergency opens it. And he's like, wait a minute. There's a whole thing going on here. Mm-hmm. And then it just got uselessly dumb after yeah. that. There's a guy. His name's Jeremiah. They have a cult. It's, not it's even literally. Worth, it's it, not even worth understanding. They're like, we we have to die the right way. It's so dumb that at the end of the episode, like you said, they're like, you won't believe the day I had. And then he just tells the whole plot to Sheridan beginning to end. And Sheridan's like, that sounds really dumb, basically. Yeah, there's kind of, there's a tragedy in in Garibaldi explaining it badly. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, nobody's ever going to understand anything about this weird day that he had. I appreciated that the show did that. I mean, it's sort of cheap as a television show to write a bad plot and then salvage it with this, like, tacked-on scene where you're like, woof, that was a weird one. Yeah. But I, it 
kind of made it feel worth it to me a little bit. Right, because it shows that, the, and and this is an episode that was like often sold to us as like one of the shittiest episodes of the show, and like it comes at a terrible time in the season, and you guys are gonna be disappointed by it and all this stuff, and like yeah, the Garibaldi stuff sucks, but like there's a good plot in here. Mm-hmm. You know, like this plot's dumb, and JMS has gone on record and been like, yeah, this was this really wasn't it. Like this wasn't what I was trying to tell. It didn't come out the way I wanted it to, but. Um, if you're okay pivoting to the Naroon plot, please, the, please pivot. Yeah, this is like what the episode, like you said, considers its B plot, but is actually super good. Is Naroon the like guy from the Star Riders or whatever? Uh, the Warrior Cast guy is back, and um, so Delenn is asked to to be the new leader of the Rangers. Um, when she's on Minbar, because they're like now that Sinclair is gone, someone needs to be the leader of the Rangers. Um, she comes back, and Naroon is on the ship, and he's like, "It's not fair." Um, why is the person from the religious cast being asked to lead this like important group of people yeah. that are, if we're running a war, why don't they get somebody from the warrior cast like me? You're, I'm not going to let you become the leader of the, of the Rangers. That's not, that's bullshit. I'm going to sabotage your, uh, your coronation or whatever they call it. Um, yeah, here's, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you approve of what Delenn is doing? Oh, in terms of what? Well, Nehrun makes some pretty compelling arguments about the balance of power. And, you know, he's like, it was intended that our society have three castes, the workers, the warriors, and the religious caste. Mm-hmm. And... You dissolved the Grey Council, which was the body that was meant to be the sort of point of deliberation between those castes. Right. You got rid of it. And then now I guess you're in charge of Mimbar or something. It's not clear to me who is in charge of Mimbar. Exactly. Right, right, right. Um, I guess they have like a full government maybe that works beyond the great council that was always there anyway. Um, and he's like, and now, so you dissolved this, this, um, this body. So presumably you have the power to do that, which means you have the power to like tell the Mimbari government what to do. Mm-hmm. You also seemingly have the power to like ride in on a warship whenever the hell you want. And to build secret ships operated by priests, and now you've built, you've put together this like extra legal military force, uh, and you're still calling yourself religious caste after all right. of this. And you're putting yourself in charge of this army that, like, you have been training. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't feel particularly. Not that the Mimbari are democratic, but they had a system of how to balance power between these groups and those groups' varied interests. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Delenn doesn't give a shit about that and thinks that she knows best. And she's consolidating quite a lot of power in a way that I'm just curious if that concerns you or what you think about that. Well, it definitely does. I think even from the moment when 
she brought in uh, the uh, the the White Star uh, to like attack the or to threaten the Minbari and like showed her hand and it's like oh we to have a White Star. The shadows, you mean? Or threaten the shadows and then other people saw that. Um, that is a moment of like yeah, Delenn clearly is stretching beyond her means and doing things that are like way outside of her practice. And that's yeah. da- that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I think dissolving the caste system through this like forceful revolution of like we need to change it. Religious can run a military body if we need to for the sake of fighting a greater conflict. And then we can figure out how to fix this later. Like in the Shadow War, they somebody needs to take control of the Rangers. Somebody like responsible who knows all of the parties involved and knows what's needed to be done. I don't think anybody knows what's needed to be done better than Talen. I specifically don't think Naroon is is prepared to handle the Rangers. Because Naroon is coming from a military background. And as we've seen from John Sheridan, people from a military background have like a very specific view of how to end conflict, which is to just have bigger guns. Mm-hmm. So I think if Naroon was given control of the um, of the Rangers, things would go way worse. And so in that sense, it's like, yeah, I think Delenn is better off running it. Sure. But yeah. But then, yeah. but my response to that is that you're assuming that there needs to be unilateral control mm-hmm. when, to me, it seems like the idea of the Grey Council still holds merit that we have different, it didn't seem to me as if the casts were arranged and like one was superior to the other. Right. It seemed like they were equally important to Mimbari society. Although we never talk about the workers, so who knows? Mm, we never um, do, do we? Mm. But it didn't seem to me like there was a hierarchy between castes necessarily. Mm-hmm. So to me, it seems like there's merit in somehow the castes having deliberative influence over what the rangers do. So like, yeah, maybe it's not a good idea for Nerun to run the Rangers, but why isn't it a good idea for Nerun and Delenn and like a worker person to run it together? Yeah. It just, I'm, I find it very interesting. I wonder what's going to happen with the Mimbari after the shadow war, because Delenn has consolidated a considerable amount of power under the presumption that she is like especially enlightened and like destined to do so. It's like mm-hmm. prophesied that she's going to have that influence. And in my mind, there kind of isn't so much of a difference between what Delenn is doing and what President Clark is doing with declaring martial law. It's just that Delenn is a good guy and Clark is a bad guy. Right. Well, there's, there's that moral grayness that defines this show. Is like the people that we... It's not only... There's a couple things. One, um, the show definitely wants us as the viewer to understand that like maybe the Rangers in general aren't a perfect body. And just because they're called the army... like All of the worst groups of people in history call themselves nice names. Right. Just because they're called the army of light doesn't mean jack shit. Except we, there are protagonists, so we want them to be the good guys. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say like we need, like maybe the shadows are okay. It's more like maybe the way we're going about this needs some reconsidering. And so I think it's very important that Naroon comes on and it's like, hey, 
you're trying to change things and like that's great for the ends that you're trying to do but mm-hmm. what's wrong with the way things were why can't we fix it the way we had things going maybe i can fix things and she kind of the but then at the same time the characters on the show support her lanier and marcus are basically willing to die for her yeah they're episode. her guys they're of mm-hmm. course i mean lanier has been her attache for the whole time so he's not a good barometer of like definitely what is just or yeah. what is right. And Marcus has been trained and you could argue programmed by the Rangers. Right. So he hasn't known anything else. That's always been the group that he works for. Yeah. He's in the cult. He's 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 drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh so I don't know. I I, I like I'm on Nerun's side in this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's like the best guy. I think that he's kind of a shitty dude, and what he did with the Great Council was pretty shitty. Uh, imbalancing it and giving more influence to the warrior cast, I think, was bad. But I'm just in this like, case, dude, I'm with him. Yeah, but like. Let's fix the cast system, and then if this is what the conflict is, and let's find something different. But again, that's not a question they they're going to answer during the war. That's something for after. It's just like that's when power is consolidated is during wars when exactly. people can dismiss these issues of the balance of power and like hundred percent and democracy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 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 very compelling stuff, honestly. Um, and I think like you know. We like fight scenes. The Marcus Naroon, uh, what's the name of the duel? The Den Shah. Yeah, it's, it's great. Ca- it's great. It. They both have big sticks. Um, Naroon's killed at the end of that, right? Is that did I remember that correctly? No, 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 you did. No, not. he just he just loses, and then he. Oh no, right? Because no, Naroon wins. Naroon wins. Excuse me. Marcus is in the hospital bay. Naroon's like, damn. Oh, and then he says like, you're not a Minbari, but you are the most Minbari that I've ever met because you like embody the morals of our people yeah he's nerun has basically decided that he needs to murder delen yep and mimbari are not supposed to kill mimbari mm-hmm. and they haven't done that for like a bajillion years and that would ruin everything if they did that yeah yeah and he, but he is so concerned with her grabbing power that he's willing to essentially start a civil war mm-hmm. um for for the sake of stopping her from having so much uh, authority. And then Marcus puts himself in the middle because Lanier asks him to. There's a, uh, I like Lanier and Marcus talking to each other. That's another pairing that I enjoy. Yeah, me too. Because um, Lanier kind of like lets his hair down a little bit when he talks to Marcus. and his, his bone hair. His bone hair. And he's like, I'm breaking a promise in order to not break a promise, all that stuff yeah, yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying at this <laughs> point. Oh, but Nerun is fighting Marcus <clears throat> to try to kill Delenn, and Marcus is protecting her. And then Nerun gains respect for the fact that Marcus is like, I'm fighting in Valen's name, mm. and I'm doing all the Mimbari things. And he gains appreciation for, like, maybe we're not so different after all. Right. Marcus gains Naroon's favor by, like you said, 
being a quintessential Minbari and saying the right words and calling it what it is and doing it fairly. Um, but so even though Narun like, you know, defeats him and puts him in the hospital, um, he looks on him afterwards and is like, man, this is a good guy. This is the guy doing the right thing. Um, it's weird. I think we're going to see We're going to have to see Narun again. This guy's been around since season one. I just remembered. Um, so when I, when we were talking about like, where does this go? I think like Minbari cast drama and like them trying to restructure the cast system is going to be an avenue for them to tackle next season. Yeah, I think so. There's gotta be more to this. There's some crunch in there for sure. Yeah. I think he's uh, such a great performer too. He really is. The Neroon guy. Yeah. He, he's very serious, but not like... He's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, my last note... Oh, we were talking, you asked if um, John Flynn III is uh, new to the show. Mm-hmm. TKO, Soulmates, The Long Twilight Struggle, and Ceremonies of Light and Dark were the four episodes that he directed before this one. TKO, God, remember TKO? Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch that one. Shit, dude. Anyways. Um so yeah, the this is this is a it's a better episode than people had led us to believe, I think. Um I don't mean to be like we're the people who like the bad episodes, but cuz we still don't like a late delivery from Avalon. Um Listen, the Garibaldi part of the episode sucked. It's garbage. It's bad. There's it's a bad. puppet that shoots like tranquilizer darts. Every scene that Nairun is in is awesome. Yes, yes. The Marcus stuff is kind of cool. He's a little melodramatic, but I liked Marcus. You know, we got to check in on whether we like Marcus or not. I liked him. I was fine with his joke at the end where he was like, can you make it less uncomfortable? <laughs> he tracks it so much. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I was okay with that. Lanier gets to be kind of a bad boy. Very mm-hmm. cool. Lanier is a bad boy. He he. Yeah. I was gonna say he fucks, but he probably does not. He probably definitely certainly does not fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been like skimming lists of worst episodes of Babylon Five in between. Is this uh, recordings. on there? It's on a lot of lists. Yeah. Yeah. It's on how, a lot of How lists. worst is it? Uh, well, this list that comes up first on Google. Babylon 5. Yeah. Well, this one you have to be careful. Some of these you have to be careful because they'll have summaries of the episodes. I am I've I just spoiled something for myself a moment ago. <laughs> I was looking up if Nerun comes back. <laughs> I, I, said, I fucked, I fucked Why are you up. like this? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Now I'm just excited for what comes next. Good. I'm glad you are. There's episodes yeah. from season five that people don't like, which they're wrong. I have a feeling we're going to be the ones who like season five. People yeah, don't like Grail. Like... Grail, TKO, Slave Delivery from Avalon, Infection, which is actually good. Don't tell me Infection is bad. Uh, Believers, Born to the Purple, you're wrong. Holy uh, shit. Oh, my God. These people need to go home. Yep. Soul Hunter, again, a decent episode. Midnight on the Fire Line is a great episode. Fuck out of here. Uh, and then yeah, this is number twenty four on the worst episodes list. I feel like that sounds right. Uh huh. Like it's yeah, wait, there's um, so much season five on here. This person is wrong. Yeah, this, and I haven't even seen it. 
Yeah. It can't be. It cannot be bad. I refuse to believe it. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to get owned by my words in the future. <laughs> cool. Well, Magellan, speaking of the future, I would like you to tell me what we're watching next week on Chaff I Long will Life. tell you what we're watching next week, and you're going to listen to it. Oh, my God. You're going to like it. You're going to be like, that sounds great. That sounds fun. Okay. Fun. Uh, next week, it's our second to last episode of season three. Can you believe it? I know. We're about to be three-fifths of the way through Babylon 5. Borbalon 4, yeah. Uh, and the next episode has, I think, my favorite title that I've seen yep. so far. Yep, for sure. Season 3, episode 20, and the rock cried out, no hiding place. Oh. Let me just give, I'm going to do that again, because it's just fun. And the rock cried out, no hiding place. Oh, yeah. Yummy. Oh, wait. Oh, this is good. Oh, it sounds so good. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Londo uses Jakar and Veer in a deadly scheme to gain power in the Centauri royal court. Fuck yeah. I just, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the further you went into oh, that, the more I started headbanging. Yes. I don't think that came across over the oh, mic, but I was headbanging. Yes. <laughs> That's my shit. Thank you, Babylon 5. You've blessed us. What's the next one? The second episode we're watching next week is season three, episode 21, Shadow Dancing. The shadows launch a major offensive. Oh, oh I love it. Bull. 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 And then after that, we'll do our final episode of season three, which will be uh, episode 22 and the recap in one big, meaty, delicious, chunky episode. Oh, that'll be a thick one. Ew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Zahadoom episode. We're Zahadoomed. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to put some like stock laughter in for that. <laughs> Just put <laughs> in Nehru's laugh at, at Marcus's joke. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. other room. <laughs> <laughs> Very good dramatic laugh. <laughs> Moment, John, let's do some quick yeah. plugs. All right, let's do it. You can email the show at chatspod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, or feedback that you'd like for us to read, you can also tweet at us at ChatsPod on Twitter, where you also can see updates about the show and what we're doing. Uh, please consider rating us on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. I like to think we're a five-star Pizzity podcast. Um, if you do and you'd like to support us beyond that, please consider checking out patreon.com slash chatspod. Uh, that's where at $2 a month you get monthly commentaries where we watch films. We just put out our Shrek commentary, and it's very fun. We had a good um, time. You get to enjoy two people just earnestly enjoying the film Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are we about to record, my friend? Uh, we are about to record uh, a commentary for the film. Hook, right? What? Yes. Hook. We're about to record the commentary for Hook. Thank you. John's right. Um, and then we will be all cut up. So you, and there's also a big chunky backlog. I love the word chunky, chunky as an adjective. Word of the day. At $5 a month, you get chats nights, which is a podcast I'm very proud of every other week. Majan and I just kind of talk about life and each other. And if you want to know what that's like, we've been putting out some free episodes on this feed. Yeah. So they're probably two on the feed. So you are listened to episode 11, which was us hanging out in the same room and you listened to 21, right? Mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. i talked about my school trip to south korea 
Very exciting stuff. Fascinating, and fascinating, great stuff. Yes. All sorts of fun conversations can be found uh, in Chats Nights. So check it out. And people don't do this yet, but it's still something we offer. You're paying for it. So if there is a movie that you want us to watch or something you want us to talk about for Chats Nights, tell us and we'll do it. <laughs> that simple. Yes. We won't even be like, well, you know, maybe in a co- we'll do it right away. Cuz this we'll just is like it's, do it. It'll be safe. It's for you. Um Chats Nights is also space if you want us to like read a short story and talk about it or watch an episode of your favorite TV show, you know, pilot a show uh to do in the future or a question that you want us to think about or whatever. Anything. Good shit. Throw it at us and we'll do it. Please and thank you. Yeah. Well, John, what is your chat sum for this week? What's instead of plugs, we do chat sums where we just kind of like recommend things. I want to know what your recommendation is this week. Well, um, I'm, you know, <laughs> okay. People, I think maybe are. It's whatever you feel the way you feel about the upcoming 2020 election. You're if you're any but anything like me, you're on Twitter constantly and you're constantly sh- seeing shit from the I'm very crass this episode. I'm realizing mm-hmm. about myself. I love it. Uh, you are constantly seeing stuff from all the different 2020 candidates and you're like, oh, Buttigieg, Beto, Biden, Bernie. Uh, Kamala, you know, you a lot of bees in a row. That was yeah, great. All those B boys. Uh, and you're like, who, who do I, who do I think is doing the best work? And can we just, can we just all stop humoring these, these not great candidates and agree that the best, the best 2020 candidate in the field is Elizabeth Warren. Can we please just agree? Do you need water? I. Uh, I please. need a Democrat in the in the in the office. Is that what you're saying? I'm officially endorsing Elizabeth Warren for president 2020. That is my wow. official endorsement, and I don't imagine it budging during the primaries. She is putting out real policy with real strategies for how to implement it. She is the candidate that is the most conscious of the destructive influence of corporations in our society. She is the most conscious of the needs of American families in order to uh, be stable and to have a future. She is the most conscious of issues of inequity as they relate to race in our society and what needs to be done to address those things. She is the person to choose. I was watching a bunch of videos today of her back in 2004, predicting the housing crisis and being like, you guys, this is a problem. And the host was like, yeah, but the guy at the economic, whatever shit, Alan Greenspan, it's like, it's not a problem. And she's like, no, it's a, it's actually a big problem. So, just give Elizabeth Warren some money and let's get her there. Because I don't, 
I'll do it, but I really don't want to be canvassing for Biden and voting for Biden. I super duper I don't super either. super do not want to do that. Because the dude was the fucking architect of mass incarceration, one of the architects of it, of the crime bill in 94. Mm-hmm. The dude voted for the fucking Iraq war. The dude said that Dick Cheney was a cool guy. Like, this is not the dude. There, There's actually, I really appreciate the work that's been being done across uh, journalists of, like, good pieces that are pointing out all the stuff that Biden has done and said and vouched for in his lifetime because there is still, we're doing this now and people are still going to vote for Biden because it's like he's the friendly uncle who was friends with Obama. I'm holding out hope that when we get to the debates, people will be like, oh, oh, well. Oh, whoops. This chick is fire. And yeah. this Biden dude is like totally, he's canceled. Sucks. He's canceled. Um, so yeah, please like donate money to Elizabeth Warren. Could you please? That would be awesome. Also, I went to a museum exhibit the other day about Frida Kahlo and she's fascinating. So look up some articles about Frida Kahlo and, and just learn about her because she's really cool. That's yeah. my other chance. Two human endorsements. I love it. Human endorsements. Uh, what about you? Sorry, I took up a lot of time, but I feel no, very strongly about Elizabeth. I mean, I appreciate it. always a bit, by the way. No, for sure. We don't. This is not a bit. Um, I. This is a podcast hosted by two people who are very political. And I, if you are the kind of person who heard that and you were like, "Don't get get this out of my recommendations," stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you can always turn the show off at the chat sums. That too. You can also just. You want to hear us talk about you Babylon know, Five? You know. Sorry, but that's also probably going to involve political talk. Wet and wild in the chat sums. Yep. But what I'm. But what I mean is like. Babylon 5 talk is not going to be free from us talking. We talked about world history in this episode, you know? You're not... Yeah. That's just who we are. Yeah, but regardless. Um, the worker cast. What? The worker cast. Oh, yeah, that too. Rise up, worker cast. Rise up, worker cast. I want to recommend a podcast. It's yeah. called The Dropout. Okay. And it's very popular. Um, if you haven't yet... Here's the thing. Here's the way I've been recommending it to people. If you haven't yet heard about Elizabeth Holmes and the whole controversy with Theranos. We got a double uh, Elizabeth on our chat. Two Elizabeths. Uh, if you haven't heard about this stuff, don't look it up. Just listen to the dropout because it's a like, I think it's like six or seven episodes. It's from ABC News. It's like some of the best investigative journalism like podcasting I've heard. Um, and I don't, I mean, it's real life. So like, I don't feel weird about spoiling it. It's one of the greatest lies in the healthcare field. One of the greatest grifts ever pulled. Um, I think Elizabeth Holmes is a fucking character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I, I have a lot of complicated thoughts about it. But definitely listen to the dropout. There's been like, there's an HBO documentary about this whole thing. There is going to be an like Hulu show about it. But, I think the podcast is like very digestible and features interviews with all of the right people that they were able to get because it's ABC. It's not just like some dude or like, you know, some indie network. It's like, no, they got the people that you want to hear from um, mm-hmm. to talk about this. Yeah. And as somebody who is getting, who is in health, currently healthcare research and like healthcare in a broader career sense, like this podcast has been getting passed around my like communities mm. for a while. And, and like this story has been talked about for years. So check it out. Inform yourself. 
learn about the world. Yeah, I saw that documentary. Um, yeah, the HBO one. I get. Is it HBO? The, I think it's called The Inventor. Said yes, that, HBO yes. out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Yeah, HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, the documentary is not a great film, but the story, like you're saying, is just nuts. Right. Uh, so that's another option for taking in this story. I haven't listened to the podcast, so I can't compare, but mm. depends on what you, what your steez is. Mm-hmm. Get your steez and get your butt back here next week for another episode of Chat Salon 5. Peace. <laughs>